Thanks for tuning in to the Bethlehem Church Podcast, where our goal is to offer you compelling biblical content to equip you to live an empowered Christian life. Today, Pastor Matt preaches a message from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 as we begin a new series in the book of 2 Corinthians. Let's jump in. Well, let's go through this thing. Man, I'm so pumped. Let me give you the six weeks. Uh, I just want to give you this as a little bit of insight. I don't do this all the time, uh, but you know, when, when the Lord tells you something, you just need to be obedient to it. And the more I read it, uh, the, the more I saw this theme of reconciliation coming out. And I thought to myself, like, I wonder if we broke this passage down, how would each facet of it fit into that theme? And so here's what I've got. For the next six weeks, this is what we're going to cover. This morning is going to be, and we're doing great on time, Uh, This morning is facts, God's promises, and everything in between. That's that's the theme of what we're going to talk about this morning. Next week, we're going to talk about forgiveness. Before you can reconcile any relationship, you must understand forgiveness. And Paul is going to talk about that. Don't raise your hand, but how many struggle with forgiveness? I feel like we hang on to stuff. We really do. And that stuff keeps us from reconciling. Forward thinking, week three. Forward thinking, when your old way corrupts the new you. Forward thinking when your old way corrupts the new you is week three. Week four, fatigue. I think this is going to be very important, especially in the context of some of the suffering that's happening in our church, but fatigue, how our physical bodies remind us of the grace that we live with daily. I know that that may sound strange, but the fatigue and the struggle and the things that you deal with Is that, oh, you are the man. God bless you. My goodness. All your promises are yes and amen. (laughs) Come on, Lord's good. Excuse me while I wet my whistle. Amen. That last song did me in. (laughs) If you're interested in something different, at the nine o'clock service, we've been doing song requests, which is very different, but it's an unplugged, like we have nothing prepared. We come in and we just take song requests. So if you want to engage in a different type of service, our 9 a.m. is is pretty cool. It's cool things are happening at that service. So just so you know, uh, if you want to mix it up a little bit. Fatigue, how our physical bodies remind us of the grace that we live with daily. Many of us, when we feel pain, we think it's the absence of the Lord, but it's actually the opposite. It's actually the opposite. Paul is going to walk us through that. Week five, fools. Can we be friends? Who is influencing who? Uh, That's week five. We're talking about our relationships and our friends and how those things uh, hurt or help the cause of Christ. Week six, fame and fortune. How reconciliation gives us a narrative to live and give by. Uh, Paul is gonna wrap up this letter with the same offering in mind that he had in the first letter, which is the offering to the poor folks in Jerusalem. So those are six weeks we're planned. Like I said, I don't typically do this. I kind of take it as it comes. Uh, but really, uh, just I had more time and studied and reading, and this is kind of taking shape to really be this theme. Uh, and, and prayerfully, at the end of the six weeks, we can all look back and see those things that we handed over to the Lord and that he handed us grace uh, in return uh, and that we have redeemed those things. Um, if the Holy Spirit reveals something specific to you uh, in, in terms of the relationship piece of that, the, the thing that needs reconciled, Uh, don't dismiss that. 
maybe during this series, it will be something that you have in the past when you deal with it uh, or it comes up, you push it away. No, no, I'm, I'm okay, God, I'm okay. When he does that this time and he brings something to your mind that needs to be reconciled, do me a favor. Don't dismiss it, just promise to pray through it. Promise to pray through it. The Lord will give you what you need to pray through this thing, whatever it is. Uh, and, and remember this, whatever you're struggling with now, because of the gospel, you don't have to struggle with tomorrow. Whatever you think you can't get past today, you, you can be three miles past it at the end of this series because of the gospel. So let's just let the Lord work and move in our hearts and in our lives. If you don't have your Bibles open, 1 Corinthians chapter one, go ahead and do so. We're gonna bounce around a little bit. Uh, if you don't wanna flip and turn, just go to the program. All my notes are pasted in there. Uh, a excerpt from Cutting Ties with Darkness by John D. Berry. I'm gonna start with that. I think this is fantastic. Uh, I read his, his little book on 2 Corinthians and it was just very helpful. So I wanna read this. Uh, this will give us a good introduction, uh, uh, tying 1 Corinthians and what we went through, uh, you know, just recently that study and launching us kind of into the next book. So let's start there. 2 Corinthians is a letter laced with pain. Paul has suffered greatly for the good news of Jesus, and now he is struggling to maintain a relationship with the church he founded in Corinth. What I love about this is if you, if you notice these references by each statement, what it allows for is you to go back and kind of unpack where, where he was thinking. And if you come from a more legalistic background where you feel like, because we're going to get to the, the famous passage of, um, you know, separating from the world, you know, coming out from among them. That, not, not exactly, but we're going to get to one of those key passages that's used uh, in terms of separation. And uh, we're going to see that to accept it that sort of way uh, is really abusing the context and, and actually lifting it out of its context. So this portion, this paragraph, I encourage many of you, if you come from a more legalistic background, unpack this paragraph, these few paragraphs, in your Bible study this week and go to the references that he mentions. Uh, so they're right there for your consumption. Paul planted the church at Corinth while there, while there as a tent maker uh, for at least a year and a half. And we know that from Acts chapter 18. By Christ's strength, Paul built the church at Corinth from nothing into a lively church, proclaiming the gospel of God to them without payment. Remember that message. But sometime after departing Corinth, Paul learned that the Corinthian church was allowing Christians to openly practice sexual immorality. And to put a stop to this, Paul writes a letter demanding that the believers not associate, listen to this, not associate uh, with people who claim to believe in Jesus but openly live in sin, 1 Corinthians 5.9. Many will say that that, 1 Corinthians 5 is come out from among them and be ye separate, right? From, from the perspective that we need to separate from the world. For that, the Lord is, we're gonna find that the Lord is reconciling the world to himself. How is that consistent if the Lord is reconciling the world to himself, but when we preach a message of repentance, we say abstain and stay away from the world? Was that the message Paul was preaching? Absolutely not. It would be inconsistent for Paul to say, come out and separate from them, 
don't go near them, and then also win them and be a witness to them. It's duplicit. What is he trying to say? Here's what he's saying. He's saying separate from those that claim to be Christians but aren't. It's never about separating from the lost world because even in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about that you're their only hope. Such was I, lost, without hope. Any of us, if we did not hear the glorious message of the gospel, we would be outside the church. We would be lost. And and except we hear the gospel, except we understand that and are transformed and renewed, then we have no hope. Paul was not saying separate from the world. He was saying separate from those who claim to be Christians but live like the world. There's a huge difference. Anyway, moving on, moving on. There's no preserved copy of this initial letter to Corinth. And we touched on this a little bit. I think it's just fun facts here. Paul writes an initial letter to this church after learning, and we know that because of the dialogue between him and Chloe and her people that wrote to him that he's responding to. She's saying they're not listening. They're not doing the things that you asked them to do. So in all actuality, what we have for 1 Corinthians is really the second letter. It's the second letter in the correspondence between him and this church. And then we're going to find that there was a third, like, ripping them letter, so to speak, that we're going to see that really leads us into the fourth, which is 2 Corinthians. So, and we'll expound on that. But you can come back uh, to the program and see this. There's no preserved copy of this initial letter to Corinth. And all we can know about Uh, we learn from 1 Corinthians, actually the second letter. So after sending his initial letter, Paul received a report from church members that factions were emerging in the church. Remember that from the study. Around the same time as this report, the Corinthians apparently sent him a letter with pragmatic questions. To address these issues, he wrote 2 Corinthians, which is actually 1 Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians, Paul explains that he does not want the Corinthian church to separate, and this is very, I'm saying this over and over because I want you to get it, I want you to receive this. He's not telling the Corinthian church to separate from all people who live in sin because that would mean separating from the world entirely. Instead, they should separate from those who claim to believe in Jesus but condone sin. 1 Corinthians 5, 10 through 11. Paul considers this issue to be so detrimental to the church that he tells the Corinthian church to remove the evil person from among yourselves. And all the references are listed. Sometime after he sent 1 Corinthians... Paul had a sorrow, sometime after he sent that, Paul had a sorrowful visit to Corinth during which people had argued with Paul about the changes he felt they should make. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. This resulted in Paul writing a sorrowful letter, another letter that has not been preserved for us today. Following this letter, Paul wrote a fourth, and that's what we know as 2 Corinthians. In 2 Corinthians, we see that Paul's correspondence with the Corinthians has done little to change their ways. They have repented by dismissing at least one problematic believer and now have found a way towards reconciliation with that person. But not much else has changed. Tragically, at least some members of the Corinthian church still have problems with Paul and his authority and are now following false apostles. We're going to call those super apostles here in a little bit. They also seem to be openly living in sin and welcoming other so-called believers who are living in sin. But the stakes, don't miss this, the stakes are even higher. 
than just the well-being of this church. The lives of the impoverished people in Jerusalem hang in the balance as they wait for an offering from the Corinthian believers. So we find here that through every challenge, through every exchange, Paul keeps his cool for the most part, and he keeps the the, the mission at hand in the forefront. If, if this church defects, if this church uh, is reduced to ashes, if this church, the work, a year and a half of his life that he poured into, if this church falls, then all, all of the, the offering, the contributions, everything that would go to Jerusalem from this church is for naught. And I, I think it's just important for us to, for us to see in our minds that that Paul had a bigger picture. For us to talk about reconciliation is for us to see that there's something that's vitally important for us to reconcile to. And so there's there's something at stake for you. There's something in your life that the Lord is trying to get your attention for. He's trying to break through. He knows what you need to accomplish. He knows what, what breakthrough is needed and the why but what is keeping you from that? What is keeping you from that? How, how easy is it for us sometimes just to dismiss relationships? How easy is it for us sometimes just to be, I'm done with them. <laughs> done. Did I tell you what they did? Did I tell you what she did? It, was, it wasn't right. Look, it's never right. But... But the point is, is we're, we're, we write people off so fast and so quick and we move on. But what if the Lord had something incredible from that relationship? What if there was a promise there in that pain? What if there was something needed? I just believe that even through this study, the Lord's been working on my heart, that we as a church will be so much stronger if we reconcile in these areas of pain. If we go back to those areas of trauma if we go back to those areas where we have built those walls, where we have erected these buildings around our problems or these bridges over them and we deal with them and we let the Lord reconcile those things, the exchange will be monumental. The exchange will be freedom. The exchange will be fruitful, meaningful relationships. Paul kept on. You think after reading 1 Corinthians it was easy? (laughs) It wasn't easy. This church was into some crazy thing, but he kept on. Why? Because he knew and he kept the, the mission at hand. So here's, a, here's an interesting fact. Hi, y'all. Is this on? Okay, just check. Uh, here's an interesting fact. Paul gives more personal details in 2 Corinthians than any other book. So as you read, I, I pray you read through this with us. But as you read through this book, you're going to find some personal details about Paul in here that he doesn't put in any other book. There was ground that was made up in Paul's relationship with this church. There were some that repented and and got back to the mission, but there were still a group of people, and and that's kind of, we're going to address this. There were still a group of people that existed in this church that were following false apostles. They, They were apostate, they were leading them astray. Uh, and, and it comes from the Judaizers side of things. They were forcing the law. They were forcing their perspective. And so Paul was really uh, working through and trying to mitigate those challenges. What about reconciliation in the scriptures, in other places? I felt like this is, this is helpful here. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 24. 
The Bible says this, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Leave, leave look, what, what you're bringing, what you have to offer the Lord, you know what the Lord wants you to do first? Before you bring that offering and feel good about yourself, he wants you to go fix your problem. He wants you to go fix that relationship. He wants you to go repent of that sin and fix it. You understand what we're saying? This is not just repentance. This isn't just me standing up saying like, hey, you need to get right. You, you need to figure these things out. No, it's, it's, not a, it's not just about that. It's about the fact that you should stop everything. Don't continue in the work that you think God has for you because the work that God has for you is working out that thing, working out that problem, working out that relationship. You see, we, we look at and we think, hello, did you get it? We, we think in our minds that serving Jesus is playing worship or helping, and, and look, just a little shameless plug here, we do need help. We do need some extra help. We need some extra volunteers in a lot of areas in our church. Uh, you know, we're growing in a lot of ways, um, so that means we need extra help. But it's not about just that, shameless plug. It's not about ministry isn't just serving in your area or facilitating a connect group or cleaning on a Thursday. It's not just that. Ministry is fixing your broken relationships. That is also ministry. That is also what the Lord has and what he has called you to do. He's not called you to a position. He's called you personally. He wants you. He's called the person. He, he desires to have you. And, and you say, well, look at all my baggage. Look at all my stuff. You, you don't think he knows that. He not only knows it, he's cared for it. He's made a way of escape. He has intimately worked through those details so that you can unwind your mess. Anybody like fishing in here? Anybody? Okay. I got, the, <laughs> I got this bait caster. I mean, has anybody used a bait caster in here? Son, you got to have it just right. And, and when you change the lure on it, you got to change the drag and the settings so that it just, I mean, it's just right. And then you got to keep your, your thumb on that thing. When you cast, I mean, I do. I keep my thumb right there when I cast it and I, it like kind of controls the amount of line because this thing called bird nesting, here's what it does. If you cast it, the weight of that lure, if the drag isn't set right, it birds nests. And the line that's there on the reel that was nice and tight, guess what? It just goes, it does just that. <laughs> and, and literally, you're done. You have to cut the lure off. You have to pull it out. You got to pull all that string out. And it takes a lot of time, a lot of time. Some of y'all are bait caster reels. And the world has got you and they've casted you out. And what happens is, is when life hit, you were wrecked, you were tangled. And all they did is they took your reel and they threw it off to the side because that's what the world does. It uses, it abuses, it gets out of you what it can get out of you. And then there is no work. There is no effort that goes into it. You're just cast aside. And the Lord comes along and he says, I'll use that reel. And he picks it up. And he cuts the lure off the end and he starts unwinding it. And he starts unwinding it. And until that whole bird's nest is a nice, smooth, 
reel that can be wound up and thrown out again, he doesn't stop. And here's where some of us are. We're in the Lord's hands, and he's going, I can't cast with you yet. You're still tangled. There's still some things in there, and I'm committed to it, but you're not. You don't like the pulling. You don't like the prodding. You don't like the untangling. You'd rather stay in your mess. You understand what I'm saying this morning? That's what reconciliation is all about. The Lord has got to finish untangling you, and he is fully committed to it. Are you? That's the question. Are you? I gotta keep moving here. Reconciliation in the scriptures, not only did he say, leave your gift at the altar and go fix the problem with your brother or sister. He said this in Romans chapter five. Romans 5.11 says, and not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now receive this reconciliation. I love that. Any goodness, anything that you receive is not because of you. This ministry of reconciliation, this should let you exhale a little bit. It doesn't hinge on you. The Lord has given you everything you need through Jesus Christ to be untangled. And if you're still feeling the knot and still feeling the, the hitch in your crawl and you're still tangled, it's probably because you're not allowing him to work. How many of us would look Jesus in the face and say, yeah, you ain't, you ain't got enough time to unwind me? Jesus would be like, please, please. I made you, son. But we do that. We walk away. Statistically, it shows we, we don't pray. Statistically, we don't, read, we don't read the scriptures. What's up with that? We're not committed to it. Here's what our text says. You ready? For, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. This is where our study is going to uh, centralize. Right here. Look at it right there in, in the text. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Oh, my goodness gracious. This thing of reconciliation, I'm telling you, it's going to wreck you. You think it's going to fix you, but it's going to wreck you. It's wrecking me already. The Lord says, we don't know anyone. Paul says in the Lord, we don't know anyone from a worldly perspective. You're not gonna be able to fix your relationships looking through the lens that the world looks through. As long as you look at them as the one who hurt you, you'll never reconcile. We don't look at this through the lens that the way the world looks through. Look, keep going. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Isn't that funny? We quote that verse, but we don't quote the one before it. Look, I've been made new in Jesus. Yes, I'm just new. I mean, I'm coming to church and I'm just singing and praising. Lord, it's so good. Check me out on my Insta or whatever, TikTok. I'm gonna make my little praise dance TikTok real quick. Check me out. Like we are so like, we are new creatures. <laughs> Yeah. Did you hear what she said? Get that neck going. Oh, what's that all about? Did you hear what he did? The face. The face tells it all. Oh, the face. We're, we're new, but we're using the old way. My wife, she should have never said that. 
My husband should have never did that. Look, if we don't bring this thing of reconciliation into our relationships, we're dead in the water. We are dead in the water. You can't act like your new creation, but still looking through the old lens. It doesn't work. They that be in Christ are new creations. Old things have passed away, and see, the new has come. Look at verse 18. I love this. I Underline, highlight, whatever you can do, memorize this. Everything is from God. What's everything? Oh, okay, yeah, we're good on that one. Everything is from God, but like, I only want the good stuff. <laughs> no, everything is from God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry. Wait a minute. He's given you the ministry of reconciliation through Jesus. He's handed it to you. I don't know what ministry that I want to be involved in. I know reconciliation. It's one we're all called to. And not only is it for you, it's been done for you. Through Jesus, you can reconcile. That's what Paul is saying. That is, in Christ, verse 19, God was reconciling the world to himself. I love this. Not counting their trespasses against them. Ready? What in the world? If God has not counted that against them, why are you counting that against them? Because you're looking through the old lens. And he has committed, he has committed, he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. No, 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 I don't want that. I don't want it. Don't give it to me. No, it's like this little thing. I don't want it. No, no, I don't want it. And he's like, nope, here's the thing of reconciliation. It's yours. No, I don't want it. Don't want to touch it. Not going there. Some of y'all, I'm telling you, And when I say some of y'all, I'm preaching to myself. We all got to preach this to ourselves. This ministry of reconciliation is something that we are all called to. And it is something that he has equipped us for. And it is time to stop avoiding that conversation. It is time to stop running from that thing that you know you shouldn't be doing, but the Lord's calling you to it. He's equipped you to do it. And he will perform it through you. Stop running. Pick it up. This, this passage right here, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21, is the meat of this passage, is the meat of, of the six-week series. And, and this is kind of what everything's going to revolve around. Now, this word reconciliation, just in case, uh, for, those, for, those for those of us blah, 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 that might not quite understand, or, or it's a new term, I put in here the meaning of the word. It's an act of reconciling as when former enemies agree to an amicable truce. The state of being reconciled as when, someone be, uh, as when someone becomes resigned to something not desired. Uh, I like this third one. The process of making consistent or compatible. I love that. So, so this thing of, of you putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for your redemption, for your reconciling, now has to permeate your life as you give that same redemption to everyone else around you. 
it is a holistic nature of your life being set in order. It's not, I'm a Christian, but yet I live like hell through the week. You understand what I'm saying? It's everything, there's, there's a ministry for everything in your life to be redeemed and set in order. Redeemed and set in order. There's no excuses. Paul's first letter we know was not received well. And he's been battling through the false teachers and the false expectations of the church of Corinth. And he does so because he sees the gospel potential that is there. And we discussed that. He sees the potential if this church participates. Listen, church, I'm looking at the potential. I'm looking at the potential of what the Lord can do here in our region, here in our city, online. I'm looking at the potential. But if you don't choose to pick up the ball and run with it on this topic, you're squandering what the Lord has done. You're squandering the ministry that he has for you. It first starts with this. Let me ask you this question. What parts of your life, what part of your life has not been redeemed? Well, he saved all of me. Okay, sure. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Yeah, he justified you and justification by faith. Yep, 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 yep. But in your sanctification process, what parts are you holding back? Let's be real. What are those areas in your heart that he is ready and willing to redeem, but you're just hanging on? Answer that question. Let the Holy Spirit reveal it to you. If he hasn't revealed anything, pray. Say, Lord, show me. Show me that area. Next thing. What parts of your life have not been reconciled or exchanged for the new creature life that God has uh, that the God of the universe has for you. What are those things? That's what we need to address in this series. Okay, listen, the facts are important. God's promises are important. And, and we're gonna end with these two points here, two perspectives that I wanna help you with as it pertains to the Lord's promises and his commitment. Does anyone see in this scripture in this topic that the Lord is committed to you. Does anybody see that? He, he is completely and wholly committed to your reconciliation and helping you walk through that. So here's two things that I saw. Look at verse number three. We're gonna read three through seven right there in our text. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from who? From God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings that we suffer. And all our hope for you is firm because we know that you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in the what? In the comfort. This, to someone who doesn't know the gospel, to someone who doesn't know the Bible, that makes no sense whatsoever. How does that make any sense at all? We share in the sufferings for comfort. Let me help you. By his stripes, we are what? 
Jesus Christ left heaven. The, the very community of the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, had been together, inseparable, in community, didn't need us, but they chose to separate. They chose to endure. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. The very nature of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ shows us that His suffering brings about our comfort. His pain, his, his accepting of our sin gives us his what? Righteousness. It's the upside down nature of the gospel. And when we believe and we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we should see a different perspective where we now can walk through hard times and we understand that by our what? Stripes, others are healed. I talked to Mel this week, Friday, when she found out and got the results. Prayed with her, and I, I turned right to this passage. And I said, listen to this. Listen to what I've been reading and studying. And she's like, oh, my goodness. She's like, that's it. I feel a, you know, she said, I, I feel a comfort from the Lord. And she said, I, I can be a testimony to other people as I walk through this challenge. It's so weighty. But it's it. That's it. Every doctor, every nurse, every person that crosses paths, cross paths with her understands that she's living out of another kingdom. It's not about her physical body and the sickness that we absolutely pray for healing. But when she endures and does it with joy, everyone must notice that she's receiving comfort from somewhere else. It is because this life is not what, this is not all that we have. This is nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed, Paul said. We have to, if we want to reconcile, we have to truly say, on earth as it is in heaven. Oh my goodness gracious. Here's, here's, how, here's an illustration. Here's an illustration that I want to give to you for your, just to kind of unpack this. Point number one is may I inquire as to your comfort? May I inquire as to your comfort? I would ask someone that if they came to church or if they were in my car or if they were in my house. And what do I mean when I say, hey, may I inquire as to your comfort? What am I asking? How are you doing? Or is it too hot in here? Is it too, how many are too hot? How many are too cold? A couple. How many are just right? Hey, I like that. You ever seen these smart thermostats? Anybody ever seen those? You know what's cool right now? I can open up my phone and I can change the temperature in my house. If I get on the phone and it looks like my dog is sweating in her crate, I can be like, Rahab, daddy will knock it down a few degrees for you. Man, we got it too good, don't we? I'll adjust the thermostat. Those smart thermostats allow us to control our environment from a completely different location. The ministry of reconciliation is allowing our smart thermostat to be in control of God. God, I know that right now I'm suffering. I know right now the heat is on, but I'm asking you to give me the comfort. I'm asking you right now in this moment of turmoil, in this moment of weakness, to turn the dial. Give me comfort outside of my situation. 
It ain't old. It's not the old way. I don't look at my circumstances and then determine how I feel by my environment and by my surroundings. I say, Lord, you have control. And the God of all comfort can give me just what I need no matter what the circumstances look like. That's what reconciliation is all about. When you begin to accept the things you cannot change, Paul says the God of all comfort is there. When you accept your suffering, you receive comfort. The baby Christian doesn't understand that, but the seasoned Christian gets it. Totally gets it. Lord, (laughs) after the fall of the Garden of Eden, there had to be a Garden of Gethsemane to bring about Eden again. It's, it's, it works the same way with society. Things are way too easy. Things are handed to children. and They don't know what a struggle is. And what happens? We become what? Weak. We build nothing because we have no strength to build because everything was built around us. It, we get it. We understand that we're made like that. But yet, what do we do in our Christian lives? I'm not putting any work into that relationship whatsoever. I get nothing in return. Is that how it's supposed to be? That's not what the Lord has called us to. He's called us to endure whatever he has for us to endure in that relationship. This thing, and I get the toxicity piece, but he's called you to endure in that. Let the Lord give you what you need from outside that situation. And you'll be surprised at how you'll be able to make it through that. May I acquire as to your comfort? Are you suffering? Are you struggling? Listen, if you want to actually reconcile, go to heaven for your comfort. Ask the Lord to help you walk through this really challenging time. Number two and final, a clear conscience and a muddy plan. Look at verse number 12. Look at verse number 12. Indeed, this is our boast. Okay, well, what's that? The testimony of our conscience is that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you with godly sincerity and purity, not by human wisdom, but by God's what? But by God's grace. Listen, reconciliation is a call for transparency on the heart of the pursuer and leniency from the heart of the receiver. Don't trust people, trust God. Trust the God of the people. Don't believe the person. Rely on the third person of the Trinity. With this approach, you can give the facts. With this approach, you can live in the spirit. With this approach, you can begin down the road of reconciliation. Look, this church was hurt that Paul hadn't come. They thought that Paul was stringing them along. They thought that maybe Paul just wanted the offering. Maybe Paul just wanted what he could get from this church. And Paul's like, excuse me, when I say yes, and the Lord takes me down a different path, his promises are always yes and amen. I have, Paul said this, I have a clear conscience toward you and the way I handled this situation. The first thing is acquiring as to your comfort, know that your comfort comes from where? Walk into an uncomfortable situation in order for reconciliation to begin because you know that the Lord's gonna give you your comfort. The second thing I see that Paul is saying here is I have a clear conscience and a muddy plan. We do it backwards when we try to reconcile. We work so hard on the plan. 
we posture, we do everything that we know we think we need to do in order for this relationship to work. And Paul said, look, I'm taking my marching orders from who? From God. You you think I'm fibbing, you you think that I'm pulling your chain here, but I'm gonna come when it's time for me to come and I got a clear conscience. Some of you need to be okay with the tension that's created. But here's, here's the problem. Often, we absolutely do not have clear consciences when it comes to reconciliation. You know that you had a part in that thing. You know that you were, look, the truth is a wonderful thing. I can't overstate what honesty does when it comes to reconciliation. Just, well, they can't handle the truth. Did that matter to Paul? Yes or no? No. God's promises are yes and what? Amen. Here's the facts. The truth is this, and you've got to handle it, Church of Corinth. Look, here's the truth. That thing that you're holding back, it is ruining your Christian walk. And until you have a clear conscience with how you're handling that before the Lord, it's not going to get any better. Let's make the plan muddy and the conscience clear. Let's stop being pragmatic in our decisions. Everything's just got to be perfect. And don't say that to her. Say that to, don't do that. We, how many know we waste so much energy in our relationships because we're trying to plan something that if we just went into it with a clear conscience and said what the Lord wants us to say, everything would begin to work out. Here's what I'm saying, let go. Paul is like, look, this is a muddy plan. I don't have an answer. I'm being led by the spirit of God. When are we gonna do that? If we're gonna begin down the road of reconciliation, we need a clear conscience and a muddy plan. Don't worry about the details. One more day, that's all you need. Today, today you serve the Lord. Today you tell the truth. Today you make that phone call. Today you say, I know I didn't say this before, but this is absolutely what I meant. This is absolutely what we need to do. This is where I am. This is a lot like, you know, just like how to live. That's not really, this isn't church stuff. (laughs) Why don't you just tell me theology? This is theology. This is what scripture says. This is how, this is the plan. This is what he has for you. He doesn't have, well, everyone at church knows and loves me but I'm the wicked witch of the West at work. What the heck? What's the point? The point is that it's for you then. It's not for anybody else. Reconcile that behavior. Let's get a clear conscience today and a muddy plan. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. How about you tell the truth? How about you just tell, they'll never believe me. They'll never believe it. They'll never, they always think the worst of me. Let the Lord go before you. It's okay. And even if it doesn't work out the way you think it's gonna work out, he's got it. Stop taking control. A clear conscience and a muddy plan. This is the path, the facts, to begin down the road of reconciliation. Thanks for tuning in for this message on the Bethlehem Church Podcast. We hope it was a blessing to you. If you want to know more about us, feel free to check out our website at BethlehemChurch.cc. And also in every message that we publish, you'll find our sermon notes in the description. And we hope that you'll study these topics further. We'll see you next time.